Did you know that the Carolina Hurricanes do not have an AHL farm team? It may not seem like a big deal today, but could it turn into a much bigger deal with uh, a lot of very bad consequences? We will talk about that and also their former AHL team and how this whole situation impacts them. Plus, a young Habs forward is lost for the entire season while a young forward on the Devils is putting the league on notice again. Episode 384 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Starting with one of the NHL's model franchises for the past couple of seasons, the Carolina Hurricanes, those bunch of jerks. They don't have an AHL farm team, and um, we're going to talk about whether or not it's a big deal today, Brad. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is a big deal. It's, it's kind of odd because I guess this kind of slipped over both of our radars because uh, this happened yeah. This happened in April, and I guess like... Yeah, just, like just before yeah. the start of the playoffs. And uh, to the credit, I guess... Um, uh, Don Waddell was asked about, like, what what's the deal with it? And he said, like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out and all that stuff. And I, I, I think we kind of, like, gave the Hurricanes a benefit of the doubt, as you had mentioned in the lead-in. It's like they've they've been a model franchise for the last couple of years. So it's like, okay, like, maybe they'll find an AHL team or something. But, yeah, basically, um, in case you haven't heard, because usually topics, like, if you're a diehard hockey fan, you have heard of these stories that we talked about before we talk about them, but maybe not because this has kind of been under the radar now and it's, I feel like it should be given more attention now um, because what's happening is, so the Chicago Wolves, uh, they were the uh, AHL affiliate to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they, uh, they stopped becoming affiliated with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and that means, and uh, apparently there was a couple of reasons. We, d- we don't know the full details just yet, but I think there was, it, it seems to be that there was chatter where like, let's say like, I'm just, t- I don't know if this actually happened, but it could, it could have happened. Or this is what I've been reading online was that like, let's say P- Peter Kochetkov, who is the school tender for the Carolina Hurricanes, and he's kind of been call up and uh you know he's been demoted so the chicago wolves are so if you're the chicago wolves and you're a separate franchise from the carolina hurricanes you know you kind of want Kachekov to play a lot of games in the ahl however carolina hurricanes they their two goaltenders right now are freddie anderson and uh anti ranta and both of those guys, yeah, they are good at times, but they're also very, they get injured a lot. And that's what ended up happening last year where there was a bunch of call-ups from Carolina to Chicago um, where they would, you know, Kachekov would get, uh, you know, be called up to Carolina just on an emergency basis because of all the injuries um, for Ranta and Freddie. Um and then it seems like Chicago just got just had it with that aspect of it, and they um, and they're like, you know what, we're we're no lo- we just want to compete 
um, in the AHL um, and where we want to not be involved with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, so they're an independent team now in the AHL. Um, what's strange about this whole thing is like, you know, kudos for the Chicago Wolves for doing this, I guess. But like, you know, just because they're like being independent and they want to compete and all that stuff. What's weird about this is that the HL, like, like every NHL team has an affiliate with the HL team. It's like, this shouldn't be like, come as a shock that like, um, or that, that the AHL like teams or the NHL teams kind of call up their, the best players at times when maybe Chicago didn't want that to happen. Um, and it's, it's just like strange from that perspective because it's like, yeah, the, this is what happens with the AHL. Like, yeah, it sucks and all, but like, this is, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, so I'm, so in a way it's like, I'm kind of surprised that this doesn't happen more often. Um, and if that is the case, then I feel like the NHL has a bigger problem on their hands, um, from, from that perspective, because this is not good. Uh, because now, um, so like last seasons, the Canes had 10, 10, uh, two way contracts, meaning they had plenty of organizational depth. Um, and then of those 10 way, 10 two way players, four played in at least one game for the Hurricanes over the course of the season, uh, with two of them, Jalen Chatfield and Stefan Nosen, becoming NHL regulars out of training camp. Um, but the whole, like, you know, uh, but then uh, they don't have that this year. They don't have that luxury this year. Um, and so now. Um, they're, the current plan, this is according to the Hockey News, uh, the current plan is to spread some of their, they're going to spread some talent to other AHL clubs through loans and some for some of the European players to return to various European clubs. Um, and that's already happened. Alexander Passion is returning to Russia. Tuka Tiksola, Vili Kovunin, and Alexi Hemo Salmi all loaned back to the Finnish Liga. Um, and this isn't new, like the loan process. Uh, of course, it happens a lot for Europeans, but um, there's also like Jordan Bennington was a famous example where the Blues loaned him to the Providence Bruins, um, which makes the Stanley Cup even harder because he was on the Bennington was on the Providence Bruins for a season before he really blew up. Um, but in any case, I, as I did digress, um, and, um, yeah, so that, and there's also like, there is Justin Robida, uh, was the only prospect with an expiring rights that was offered in ELC this year. Um, so there's a lot of different things. And I also saw a report, um, I'm not sure where I found it now, but, um, I think it was according to Sarah Volley that um, that the Carolina Hurricanes are willing to pay like extra the amount it would take to to just share a team an AHL team with uh, one of those NHL teams just as like an added bonus um, just so that they can get some an AHL like playing time basically and share a um, a team in the AHL and uh, that nothing has come out of that yet. Um, currently I, I was like looking at the standings cause it's, you know, for someone like me who like 
watches who scores every goal every every day um I was like I and you're just like looking at these like Carolina Hurricane scores and you're like kind of shocked that this is happening but like they're three and three they're still second in the Metropolitan Division um however it does like it's they're not looking great um one because Sebastian Ajo is kind of hurt so so that's he's missed some games. I think Svechnikov has also missed some games. So there's that. But also you take a look at Ranta, Anderson, and Kochetkov. Um, uh, Anderson and Ranta have both played three games, um, and they both have a sub nine hundred save percentage and an above four GAA. Uh, Kochetkov has played in two games, but he's lost those two, and he's even worse. And he has a five, uh, five point one three GAA and a save percentage of eight twenty two. Um, I guess I I should mention that Ranta has a save percentage of eight eighteen, and uh um and a GAA of four point four one. So he's the worst of the group. Uh, Freddie Anderson has a, a GAA of four point one four, and a save percentage of eight five five. Um, so that's been the biggest story so far for Carolina is just the fact that they um they don't have their goaltending is falling apart basically um so I I've been talking too much uh what what's your take on all this and and yeah what what do you think is going to happen so um I'm I'm sure people in passing have heard of the eventual downfall of my Ottawa Senators in the late 2010s. And it was, I, people always pin it to Eric Carlson getting traded or the Hoffman Carlson significant others. Yeah. Feud. Can I, I, but, I would actually argue, I think Mark, once Mark Stone was traded, I think that was really the true fall. <laughs> true. But yeah. there was a minor event, and it did involve a guy with the first name Mark, except it was Mark Mathog getting claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights in the yeah. expansion draft because the Sens didn't protect him in the expansion draft. They protected Cody Cece over yeah. him. That's fair. And at the time, it was seemed as like, man, that's a tough guy to lose, but we'll be fine. Yep. Uh, and then things slowly started to come undone, and then everything just blew up. Mm -hmm. And then it blew up again, and then it blew up again. Um, I'm, I'm classifying this as one of those things that it may not seem like a big deal today, but in a couple of years, it could be. Mm -hmm. Let's say this is just one thing, but it turns into a couple of other small things, and then it turns into a big thing because uh, a key part of the Carolina Hurricanes psyche decides to leave. Um, and I think part of what makes this Carolina Hurricanes team so great is their coaching. And um, if you're wondering where I'm going with this, I'm going with uh, Rod Brindamore. This is a guy, if he were to hit the open market, every single NHL team in need of a coaching upgrade will be chomping at the bed to get this guy, and his record speaks for itself. I know the Hurricanes as a team haven't gone off to the best of starts, they still scored 28 goals in those six games. Well, they've given up 30. I know that's not great. And they gave up seven to the Seattle Kraken, who have only won a single game all season. 
but they've also gone up against, you know, some pretty good competition. Ottawa gave them a good run for their money in their first game. They uh, just recently lost to Colorado, who, um, enough said, they're, we all know the talent that they have to work with. But um, they also had shaky performances against teams like the Anaheim Ducks, who a lot of people are are not considering a playoff team. And those are the teams that Carolina would easily walk over with yep. their style of play. And for whatever reason, um, even the simplest of offenses are uh, turning them up for three to four goals a night. And that's not ideal. That's not going to get you any long-term success. And uh, when I look at Rod Brindamore's uh, contract on cap friendly, um, I know the Hurricanes signed him a couple of years ago to a three-year contract as a coach. And at the time, this was around the time where they were really starting to turn the corner. He was a coach of the year candidate and um, was really getting everyone uh, pulling in the same direction. And that was a three-year deal that wraps up, oh, would you look at that, at the end of the season. Uh, so needless to say, if things don't work out Carolina's way, and let's say they have an underwhelming campaign and he doesn't like the direction of this organization, Maybe Rod Brendamore heads out of town, and then all of a sudden you got players going, hey, what the hell, man? Mm. Um, why did you just let him walk out of here like that? I don't know if I want to play here anymore. And then you get, you know, one by one, a couple of notable players leaving, and it just de it just demolishes a very good thing that the Hurricanes have built. Yeah. And the fans are engaged all the time, and they're selling out the place every night or – close to selling out the place every night. And, you know, maybe those decisions, coaching personnel, player personnel, in this snowball effect, it has an impact on, you know, the fan base that you've desperately tried for the past five, six, seven years to rebuild. And just when you think you finally have it back, it's going again. Uh, that's not a good sign for a franchise that at times has had a lot of significant loads. And... And that's, and that's where I think it could really burn the Hurricanes mm. is if this one little thing leads to one big thing. As for the Chicago Wolves, I can kind of understand where they're coming from because part of the reason where they left is, uh, is that uh, Wendell Young, their GM, uh, was um, basically, basically told um, that the following year things would get even worse with the Hurricanes wanting the team to focus on developing their prospects, even at the expense of winning games. Our coach was told, according to Young, don't worry about winning this year. And there was also reports that um, the Chicago Wolves uh, head coach, who was doing you know, a pretty good job, um, that uh, maybe the Hurricanes wanted their own guy. And you know they were steering away from the Chicago Wolves brand because that's the one thing that's, let, that's uh, remained consistent throughout this period but um you know at the end of the day if if you're if you're an nhl team like they hire coaches for ahl teams that's not uncommon but for the chicago wolves to just go it alone independent yep um it is not totally surprising because look at the nhl teams they've been affiliated with they were affiliated with for the longest time the atlanta thrashers until they moved to winnipeg then they teamed up with the Vancouver Canucks. Then they teamed up with the St. Louis Blues, and that eventually went away. Mm -hmm. And they went with the Vegas Golden Knights while also still supporting some of St. Louis's prospects. 
Uh, then you have uh, going from the Vegas Golden Knights to the Carolina Hurricanes because Vegas gets their own farm team. And they go through all this change and uncertainty and adaptation. And I don't really feel for the better part of the past five or six or seven years, they've really just had this stable ground to really just do their own thing. And eventually they're just fed up and they go, screw this. I want to do my own thing. See you later. Yep. And I'm, I'm interested to see if other AHL teams go, you know what? We're our own entity too. They stood up for themselves. Let's stand up for ourselves. And, um, and you know, like, for example, like, say, just for an example, the Bakersfield Condors, they're not close to Alberta geographically mm. as a lot of the modern-day AHL teams are to their uh, NHL yep. partners. Uh, let's say uh, let's say they take a stand against the Edmonton Oilers and they go independent. What happens then? Yep. So that's 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 just a thought that came to my mind. Yeah, I well, I think I had kind of mentioned that to you too, or I was alluding to that in my whole spiel as well. Is that like, yeah, I feel that like eventually this could be lead to like the a lot of these AHL teams being like, you know what, actually, like the Chicago Wolves weren't treated great let's also like join them up here what would be kind of odd though is like because you're saying like usually sometimes hl teams aren't necessarily geographically located but sometimes like the providence bruins they're named the bruins <laughs> so, so they, would, they would it would be kind of like a whole thing because they would have to change their whole like name yeah. and all that stuff the toronto like marley's the Sound you know. tigers are now yeah. the islanders yeah, like, yeah everyone is just the reiteration yeah. of their affiliate their, right right uh, stockton the stockton heat um yep. the uh toronto Abbots marley's the Canucks, yeah, the Canucks are another one. Yeah, I'm sure we could go on and on. Belleville Senators. Ontario I Rain. Because yeah, it's the my team. The, yeah, the Senators as well. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, the um, the Ontario Rain, like the R E I G N. Yeah. For the Kings. It's not. It's yeah. not. Te- it's not totally like the Kings in the name, but yeah, yeah. you get the point. <laughs> the bear, yeah. the Barracuda, and the Sharks. Yeah. Anyways, we can go mm-hmm. on and on. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, so there, it would like, certainly like joking aside, um, you know, you would have to like, if a lot of these teams are going to be like fed up with, with, um, their, the pro team that they're involved with, then yeah, I guess you could say that, um, they'd have to change their team name and all that stuff. But on the same token, it's like. Like, yeah, when you were mentioning, like, oh, yeah, the Chicago Wolves, like, whenever you mentioned the Chicago Wolves, I was like, oh, that's right. They used to be involved with the Blues. They used to be involved with all these other NHL teams, or they used to be um, a part of the Thrashers and all that stuff. So They also were, at one time, the only AHL team with a full television package. I didn't know that, according to Wikipedia. It says right there, yeah. So, it's just, um, so so that part's kind of just, like, interesting, too, where... Like, like it feels just like, like maybe it's just the Chicago Wolves in general. Like, like this is just a situation there. Um, yeah. And it kind of makes Where me wonder. Where the is so big, they, can, they feel like they can do whatever they want. Exactly. You know? And it kind of, but like, I was just thinking about this too. It's like, if they are truly, because I imagine no NHL team is going to try to be affiliated after this mass. 
So if they're truly going to be in the AHL and they have no NHL affiliations whatsoever, then that means that they can't, like, borrow any NHL player um, on their team. So they're basically just, like, a bunch of, like, aces. You know, it rem- you know what it reminds me of? Remember um, in, during the World Cup where it was uh, the USA, Canada, uh, Finland, Sweden, and all those team countries – and then there was Team North America because it was like it was just all the players that were under 25, 23. Um, and now looking back, it was like that was the filthy team because it was McDavid, Matthews, uh, McCarr, mm-hmm. and all those guys. But um, it kind of reminds me of that because it was just like it's like oh this is like the Rebel Squad almost if it's just, if it's like truly players that aren't really like that don't have an NHL contract, but they're playing in the AHL in hopes that some team will take them up and they're playing as a team. It's kind of, you know, kind of like almost like a, no one believes in us and to take yeah, another the golden another. misfits. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. I was about to say, it's kind of like the golden Knights where no one believed in us. They, they left us unprotected kind of thing. So, but mm. it's like, I don't know if that could actually work in the AHL because it's like, because the NHL is, yeah, if you have missed, like, even if you're not good enough for the NHL, you're still probably pretty good. But if you're not good enough to be on a contract at the NHL, but you're still playing in the AHL, like, yeah, you're probably okay, but you're probably not, like, that good. Because then otherwise a team would draft you or sign you. Um, so or, And, and yeah. it, like you said, to the tune of keeping your careers alive, yeah. maybe, and buying yourself Fair. some time to get that next contract. Yeah. Max Comtois signed an AHL contract with the Chicago Wolves. He's uh, a guy yeah. that was a, a previously very yep. uh, a first-round pick hype for the Anaheim Ducks. He wasn't qualified. He tried to get a spot with the Vegas mm-hmm. Golden Knights on a PTO. Didn't work. And now he's just signed with the Chicago Wolves yep. for the season and in the hopes of getting his career back on track as yeah. a second chance at, li- at at hockey life if you will and and you could see you know more scenarios like that where you have like yeah. on the bubble nhl players or nhl players w- who previously had a lot of potential but maybe just need to reset their careers and yeah. uh for example curtis joseph way back in the 90s in a contract dispute uh he went to the las vegas thunder for a little bit um, then he got a contract with the Edmonton Oilers and, uh, he was a consistent number one goalie again. So right. it, it, it's th- this for players could be beneficial too. Yeah, I guess a that's a good point. I didn't know that about Comtois. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that makes some, some type of sense, I guess. It's just, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know if it would work long term though, relatively speaking, but, um, or, you know what, it actually reminds me of uh, Joey Decord, um, although I think that was a different thing, but, like, he played for the Seattle AHL team. I don't think he had a contract, but then he played well enough that he even made it to the Calder playoffs, the Calder Cup, um, and then he, he did so well that now he's actually a backup for the Kraken right now. I um, mean, got a contract. Yeah, I think so, it was yeah. in the system because they claimed him from the oh, they, expansion okay. draft. But maybe he was. I think like, there was like know, some. There was something where he didn't actually have a contract or something like that. But, um, but yeah, maybe hmm. you're right. Um, but yeah, so like I don't. It's it is interesting just because the Chicago Wolves are, um, 
because yeah, maybe it's like they are kind of like the aces or the lost the misfits of the HL. And but like I am curious though. I wonder if Gary Bettman's gonna step in or the NHLPA is gonna step in at some point. Um, and yeah, I, I I truly do wonder what Carolina is gonna do because I feel like this isn't a great fit for Carolina. Although I am looking at uh, their the elite prospects page that they tell you like all the players in a franchise's system and their their prospect stuff. So I'm just looking here and it says it seems like there's like a couple of players in the Chechia, some are in the KHL, some are in Liga, uh, which is the Finnish league. KHL's Russia, um, and Chechia's Chechia, um, and then I like see that like oh Scott Morrow. Um, he, they drafted him a couple of years ago. Um, he's, he plays for UMass and in, in the NCAA, they drafted Bradley Nadeau this year. He's playing for UMaine. Um, so they have a couple of college guys, but those guys wouldn't have been in the HL anyways, um, this year. Cause you know, they don't like the, if you're in the NCAA, you're not necessarily, um, a part of the, um, the the AHL um, or like you don't have a contract just yet um, and um, because then like I guess the NCAA has a thing where you can't be paid for um, anything um, in order to be in the NCAA so so like they uh, so sometimes teams just don't give a contract or they can't give a contract if you play in the NCAA um, and anyway, I'm just telling people, I assume you know Steve, but just in case other people don't know. Um, yeah. But and I also find yeah. it funny how, like, the cliffhanger was, like, how uh, the head coach um, was um, supposedly um, yeah. the, the the straw that broke the camel's back was yeah. – uh, uh, it was what um, the coach wanted to continue to play Alex Lyon over Kochakov in the Calder Cup finals. Oh, wow. And so this was in 2022. And uh, it's funny how Kochakov, they're trying to find him a space to improve his yep. development. And, and all these players, you know, they're the, all this big focus for Carolina was like, oh, yeah, we want, you know, yep. to improve the development of these players and while now they have none <laughs> right 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 yeah and they no, don't have a stable place to develop too and yeah, I, yeah. I feel like having a stable place to develop is important because josh norris and drake batterson had solid first ahl seasons and i think that's kind of helped them more so norris and and maybe batterson uh, to to a lesser extent but in their nhl careers you mm. know i'm i'm sure you know, having that time to flourish in the AHL kind of sets them up for success in the NHL. Not everyone can jump to the pros so quickly yeah. and just dominate. Yeah, I mean, but, like, at the same time, I feel like the college, like, if you play college hockey, you're, you know, like, it's gotten, the skill level there has been very, very good that you can kind of, like, get some development there. Same with the KHL, because you're basically playing with professionals there. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, like, even the same for, I guess, the SHL. Is, oh, there's a, there's Simon Forsmark, who's playing the SHL. Uh, that's a professional league as well. So, um, so yeah, like, the, the players that are playing in, like, a professional league, like the KHL or uh, the SHL, then, yeah, I think this could work out for them. 
as well. Or I think Liga is also a professional league too. Um, and the NCAA is kind of like semi-professional. Same with like the CHL in Canada. Um, so you could get by with it. But yeah, I think there there is also an aspect of like, you know, like... Yeah, but for like, the guys that have turned pro, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Because once you turn pro... And you're an NCAA player. You can't go back to the NCAA. Right. And when you reach a certain age, you can't go back but then, to the CHL. So true. guys like Noel Gundler are in yep. quite the pickle. Right, right. Uh, yeah, or there was like, um, it kind of reminds me of last year with Shane Wright, where he was young enough. He, was, mm-hmm. he wasn't he uh, was old enough to be in the AHL, that, but he was like too good to be in the OHL and yeah, not good. Like no, it would that be, was an interesting one. It though. would stunt his development in the AHL, basically. Um, or uh, sorry, if he kept on playing in the NHL, um, so so that they had to like move him around all like to four different leagues, basically, um, throughout the season. But uh, yeah, so it could definitely like hurt them this time around, and I would imagine you know, especially with players that are this young, um, these are like the vital years of development. So it could definitely hurt them from that standpoint. But at the same time, like, you don't necessarily all have to be on the same team (laughs) at the same time. It definitely hurts to Carolina, you know, at the moment. But, like, you know, when you look at any other prospect, like, teams that prospects have, like, yeah, basically half of them are in the AHL and half of them are in all these other leagues that we just talked about. So... Um, it's just more of like, okay, now, now what kind of thing situation? And, um, yeah, I'm just, I, I feel like eventually Gary Bettman's going to step in and figure something out. Uh, cause I, I can't see how this would help the NHL long-term where it's like, oh, like <laughs> this team is screwed if they don't have an AHL team for a long time. So yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, I'm yeah. interested to see what kind of off season discussions it has in terms of like rules yeah. and whatnot and it, with it, affiliations. And this is kind of like brings it back too, Cause like, I'm surprised there wasn't a ton of talking points about this. Cause this happened in April. Um, like, yeah. Or, or it could be just like a situation of like, if possible, it's like, yeah. if you're going to part ways with an NHL team, yeah. You need to give them one year's notice so the NHL yeah. team can be like, okay, we got to find a plan B here. Yeah, yeah, Because in one year, this team is not going to be our affiliate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's more like, and that, so that happened like six months. So the NHL had a ton of time to prepare for this type of thing. And Yeah, um, but ob- yeah. obviously this is a situation where you need more than six months to even True. find Fair. a short-term solution. Uh, yeah, Don Waddell yeah. is hopeful that beyond this season a long-term solution will be in place but it sucks for the immediate term also by the way uh, there is a team in charlotte north carolina called the checkers that is florida uh, the current affiliate of the florida panthers and they were also the affiliate of the carolina hurricanes at one point so i'm I'm just kind of wondering how that'll happen (laughs) it's just like you even had an NHL team in your own state and somehow you you partnered yeah. up with Chicago. Well, there was also one point where Florida and Carolina were in the same division too. So that's kind of yeah, fun. true, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, it, it, the the NHL has yeah. been uh, a pretty topsy turvy league just in terms of things yeah. changing it. Um, yeah. For regardless of relocation or teams sharing each other's prospects, because yeah. there aren't that many uh, yeah. 
AHL teams to accommodate every single team. Yeah. And, and to, coach, to your point about Coach Cobb, it's like Jordan Bennington, you know, got his career back on track with the Providence Bruins because the Blues couldn't find yeah. a place for him and he didn't want to go to the ECHL. So right. it's like, um, I, I guess, like, that's my way of saying it's it's not uncommon for these things to happen where you know a guy comes yeah. in from another team and all of a sudden hey he's yeah. your new teammate but also not really your teammate but yeah for now is your teammate eventually he's um, gonna so, he's gonna so destroy it, it, a franchise your franchise in a few years but yes. yeah <laughs> it, it's just an interesting dynamic yeah. um yeah. that that uh to a certain extent yep. um can can either benefit or harm an nhl team and hopefully this doesn't harm again the good reputation that the hurricanes have been building because their reputation has been solid of late yeah speaking of which uh i'm noticing here on elite prospects that the springfield thunderbirds which is the um st louis um the affiliate they're also in massachusetts um they have they have um Dylan Coughlin is a Carolina affiliate, so he's being—I guess—he's being loaned out to the St. Louis affiliate. Um, yeah, I, I think you mentioned uh, Coach Cobb's in Tampa's system, or they're trying to get him there. Um, I well, I see Coach Cobb is playing right now in the NHL, so maybe they just okay. But like that but kind of pr- prior to that, I think they're trying to get him yeah, time in Tampa's I mean, I, system, I guess, which is the Syracuse crunch, I think. Yeah, maybe maybe that's gonna happen, but at the moment that hasn't, or I haven't seen that on Elite Prospects. Yeah. Um, well, but and, and and to to the point of development, like uh, there was yeah. this guy named Sergei Tolchinsky who had a bright future for the Hurricanes and didn't really amount to anything. And again, that development matters. It yeah. might some of it might be on the player, but as as a coaching staff, as a collective, yeah. Um, like you, this around the time where young guys like Seth Jarvis, Murray Natchez are expected to become leaders on this Hurricanes yeah. team. And eventually the next wave of players is going to be expected to to kind yeah. of carry that torch and build on what the young guys have already built on. And obviously, if they're not developing well enough, uh, that's going to provide some form of hindrance. Oh, okay. By the way, you are right that Kachekov is uh, in Syracuse's roster. Okay. Um, but he's yes, only played that's one what game. I thought I heard anyway. But, but it's weird because I I think he played yesterday. Um, like he was like he was called up. So, um, but uh-huh. like in any case, it's like the Hurricanes have three goaltenders in their pro on their pro roster, and that was more to do with the fact that Freddie and Antti Ranta aren't good right now. Um, and then yeah, all you know, three so they have good to, last year. Yeah. Now all three of them are they're not doing so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's weird. Um, I'm sure they'll eventually figure this out. But yeah, anyways, um, I feel like we're all over the place on this. But uh, yeah, so you had a set of questions here. I think we answered all of them, but I'm gonna ask them just in case. How does this impact the Carolina's prospects? What about the team as a whole? We just answered that. Could this be a small mm-hmm. thing that turns into a very big problem? Yes, we agree with that. Um, will other AHL teams start to follow with the Wolves example and go independent? Yes, I think we, we covered that. And how yeah, does, I think we covered yep. all the questions, yeah. Uh, this is the last one that I don't think we actually covered. How does the this hurt the Wolves brand um, if they want to partner with an NHL team? Does this hurt them? Well, we did mention that, that I, I feel like no NHL team is going to want to uh, be affiliated with the Chicago Wolves anymore. 
But I guess, like, as we were just saying that I think you could, I, I feel like that's not going to work out long term for the Wolves either. Um, if, it, if they're just relying on players who just won an NHL contract. Because um, it's like, the, 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 the bottom line is the AHL is a developmental league. Um, and it's like, you know, and you can't really compete really, um, like the Wolves want to, um, without having some NHL players, like even like the bottom tier players, which is what pretty much all, all these AHL teams have, like they're, you know, you need at least some of them that are good enough to be in the NHL. Um, so in the long term, I don't think this is going to work out for them. But if, like, let's say this, like, as we were alluding to, like, this could start where, like, a couple of other AHL teams are, like, saying, like, you know what? I'm fed up, too, with my NHL affiliate. Let's um, let's join the Chicago Wolves. And then it's like, okay, then it helps the Wolves brand. But I just or, or undrafted yeah. players from the NHL that right. are just like, well, I guess I got to play overseas. Well, right. now they have a chance to like be around NHL talent yeah. and be like one level below the NHL. And it's yeah. just like, hey, maybe some NHL scouts will notice me and then I'll get a shot next year. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, how the USNDPTP is like because they play – um, mm-hmm. against all the USHL teams, but they're not really a team there. Um, or, uh, yeah, or like, you know, I'm thinking of how Jay O'Brien, who we talked about last, a couple of weeks ago, how he, um, he ended up not being signed by the Philadelphia Flyers who drafted them. Um, but then mm-hmm. he eventually got signed to the Toronto Marlies and not yep. an NHL contract, but an AHL contract. Um, yep. So he's not, like, officially a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but maybe he would be like, you know what, I'm just going to play for the Chicago Wolves instead of playing for the Toronto Marlies because it's a weird situation or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so so there's that, too. Or, like, Dryden yeah. McKay, remember that name? Yeah, um, I was Michael. about to say as yeah. well, yeah. Um, I think he's in the ECHL, but I, I don't think he had a good year last year. Um, yeah. But in any case, um, do you have any final thoughts before we move on? My my whole thing is uh, the Chicago Wolves are probably in a position where they just want to build winners and they don't really want to follow anyone's rules. Uh, for lack of a better term, they're the lone wolf of the pack. Hey, where they just pun intended. Yeah, got him. Uh, where they was just that pun- I think that was on- pun intended. I'm not. I'm not giving you credit. If it was uh, well, I guess I'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> no webcam here. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I, I I feel I feel like you know the Chicago Wolves have won three Calder Cups. They probably have some sort of semblance of knowing what they're doing, where the talent level is there, how they can ice a championship formula every single year, and. Um, you know, they've gone to Calder Cups with uh, multiple different affiliates. Uh, they did it when uh, when uh, they were affiliated with the Vegas Golden Knights. Oddly enough, they lost to Carolina's then mm-hmm. affiliate, the Charlotte Checkers, in the finals. And uh, they and uh, they they have also that uh, they also did it a couple more times. They also back when the H 
AHL wasn't a thing. It was called the IHL. They also won two league championships there. Um, so they obviously feel pretty confident in terms of the free agency pool of uh, NHL players that are not NHL players, but have the talent to maybe someday be NHL players. And they can just go looking for these talents every single year, whether it's from overagers in the CHL, whether it's, you know, NCAA guys that didn't get a contract uh, from NHL teams, weren't drafted, whatever the case may be. Um, if there's talent, they will find it. And, and at least they think they will. And I think that's going to lead to hopefully a successful formula. It, it's, it's definitely going to be one of those uh, multi-year projects that I think a lot of hockey fans are going to be following very closely. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Um, and I, I just looked at Dryden McKay's stats here. Uh, yeah. He's in the mm. ECHL. Um, and he had, um, yeah, he had a 900 save percentage and a 3.06 GAA in 33 games in the ECHL. So not great. Um, yeah, not but, terrible, but yeah, and then not he, great. And he played two games for the Toronto Marlies, um, but it, like a sub 900 save percentage. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I guess there's still some hope for him, but maybe not great. <laughs> Um, like it was, uh, when he was in college. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's go to the rapid fire. I'm starting the clock now. Okay. So, uh, I, I guess I was wrong last week about the first big injury because Taylor Hall ended up playing the next game. Um, when I said that Taylor Hall was the big injury, but I guess Victor Arvidsson was, is also out, but the the one that we wanted to mention was Kirby Doc. Uh, he's officially yeah. out uh, for the rest of the year, in fact. Um, he uh, he tore his ACL and MCL in his right knee, um, and it was in the second game of the season. He was also, he had two assists in two games, so he was doing pretty well. But, um, yeah, I guess, well, we'll like, uh, of course, that's for- unfortunate. Um, it's always the case here, but um, it feels like Montreal just always has bad injury luck because it's not just like Carey Price but Shea Weber um even like Christian Dvorak I'm seeing here is injured it's like they always get weird injury um not injury luck but the opposite of that um I am curious though because I guess they did bring in Alex Newhook he is a center I'm curious um what they're gonna do with him now that Kirby they don't have Kirby Doc anymore uh, for the season, and then Sean Monahan's another one that that could be interesting. Of course, I don't think this will affect Nick Suzuki just yet because he he was always going to be a top line center. But I am curious just to see what what goes on with Alex Newhook and Sean Monahan. Yeah, Alex Newhook is an interesting story because he got two goals in his mm. debut, but he's only taken seven shots in four games this year, and he scored yep. on three of them. Um, and he doesn't have any helpers uh, to his name. Uh, Kirby Doc had two assists in the two games that he played last year. His shooting percentage was 13.1% with 14 goals in 58 games. So last year showed prompt uh, signs of promise that, you know, this once promising top three pick of the Chicago Blackhawks yeah. was going to have a very bright young future with the Canadians. And unfortunately uh, a key injury sets him back kind of mm-hmm. like uh, what happened to Josh Norris last year. 
where he has, you know, all this promise, all this hype, and all of a sudden, just one play, um, everything goes bye-bye. Yep. Um, so wishing a speedy full recovery for Kirby Doc. Tough to lose a guy like that, but uh, definitely a, a big test for Alex Newhook and everyone else uh, in Habs country who's uh, trying to at least make the NHL aware of uh, the talent that they have. And within the next couple of years, uh, no doubt they're going to be a better hockey club and Kirby Doc's going to be hopefully a big part of that. Yep. Uh, Jack Hughes, uh, just wanted to shout him out. Uh, he has 10 points in four games. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, he's start, yeah. tied for the lead um, in points. Uh, Elias Peterson has 10 points, but Peterson has played one more game. Uh, so, uh, you know, of course, both are still incredible. Um, I also wanted to say that Jack Hughes is uh, has the fewest games by a player in franchise history to reach 10 points in a single season. John McLean in 1988-89 season had uh, had ten points in five games for the Devils. So, um, so that's that's kind of crazy. I don't even know if I've heard of McLean here. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on Jack Hughes. Um, but then otherwise, I did want to go forward with another shout out here, uh, Leo Carlson. Uh, he got injured towards the end of training camp, um, so he missed the first couple of games. He had his debut um, this week, um, and he's he's not only he's on Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers' line on the top line, so it looks like that's how they're going to use him, which is great. Um, but he scored a goal in his first game, um, and I bring this up as well because Bed- Connor Bedard. He also had a first goal. He also had an assist in his first NHL game this year. Same with uh, Fantilli. He had an assist in his first game. So this is um, this is actually the second time in NHL history that the top three picks have uh, scored a point in their first NHL debut in the same season that they were drafted in. And, can, and this is a fun little trivia bit. Can you guess... What was the first draft class to do that? It's relatively recently, so I'll give you that hint. Relatively recently. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> so so Carlson, Bedard, and Fantilli all got a point in their first game, um, and they're the second in NHL history to have the top three picks find the score sheet in the in their NHL debut in the next season. So what was the other one where the first three picks scored a point um, in their right in the first game that they played? Um, the, I'm going to take year. a shot in the dark and say 2015. Okay. I, I thought, yeah, that would have been my guess if I didn't know the answer. It's actually 2009. And that was Tavares, Hedman, and Matt Duchesne. So it's just a little bit interesting. But yeah, I also wanted to shout out because I've I've actually watched uh, Leo Carlson. Um, his both his two games, and I'm gonna see him tonight because he's playing the Bruins as well. Um, Jucks are playing the Bruins um, in a little bit, but um, he looks pretty good actually. So. Um, he looks pretty sharp and it, it doesn't even feel like he looks like a pro already. I know he, he didn't score in the second game, but um, I don't know. He looks pretty good. 
Um, His average ice time, by the way, 19 minutes as a yeah. rookie, uh, at first, uh, like as, as a rookie NHLer in his first game. Also a plus two in that game against Dallas, uh, scoring against Jake Ottinger, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so not just any goal you scored on, it's Jake Ottinger. Yep. And uh, in his second game against Arizona, he uh, posted 21-33 in that game with four shots. So um, it, not just the fact that it, he's a rookie and he's impressing, but it's also that they're putting him into those uh, maybe not high leverage situations right away, yep. but they're giving him plenty of chances to to show his stuff, which yep. uh, to me speaks volumes more than anything. Yeah, I love because usually like teams don't put them on their top line right away and give them power play mm -hmm. time right away. And I, I guess like to the Ducks credit or like, you know, like the Blackhawks are giving Bedard all the, all the ice time as well. But um, like, like, it's kind of cool though, that they're giving him all this um, attention right away. Cause it's like, Oh, this is how much we believe in you that we're giving you the top line stuff. But like Fantilli, for instance, yeah, he's not on the top line yet. Um, um, but it might be beneficial for him if that's the case. Anyways, um, lastly, um, Alex DeBrincat uh, returned to Ottawa. Uh, he's doing pretty well. Um, he he just scored a goal. They're, the Detroit Red Wings are playing right now. I guess Detroit is pretty hot. They're beating Calgary right now, three to nothing. And they played really? Ottawa, where they also won last night um, as well. But yeah, so he gets he gets a stick goal that ties him for the goals lead um, with, there's quite a few uh, people who have six goals right now. Um, Kucherov, Reinhardt, Besser, and Matthews. But we also just wanted to mention that Dabrinkat uh, played against Ottawa. Um, he was in Ottawa. Uh, he returned there. Um, there was some boos, but some cheering. I felt like it was mixed and mixed, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't get any points there, even though the uh, Red Wings did end up winning. I'm more pissed that Sparkhouse's birthday got ruined. Um, <laughs> oh, I wasn't show. I wasn't supposed to show bias there. My bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because uh, the next game between these two teams is when Ottawa and Detroit head out for Sweden. Um, and uh, just listening to some of the post game comments from the Ottawa Senators, they sounded just like. Detroit sounded and felt last year in that back-to-back -back in Ottawa where Ottawa royally just kicked their ass and just outclassed them, outsmarted them, kept their cool, everything, the whole nine yards. They were the better team at every level. And you can be sure that Dylan Larkin, Mo Sider, Billy Huso, all the pl notable players on the Red Wings are probably simmering on that the entire offseason because they are just like, man, those two Ottawa games – put us in a minor downward spiral. We couldn't get out of it fast enough. We ended up being sellers at the deadline and that cost us our playoff yeah. dreams last year. We're going to remember that battle and we're going to be going in there ready to play guns a blazing. And you know what? To Detroit's credit, after giving up the first goal, they took it right to them. Their special teams. I don't know if you noticed this, Brad, 
In their first five games, they scored nine power play goals, oh, wow. which is bananas. I thought last year's Oilers power play was good. Yeah. Uh, this year's uh, Red Wings uh, power well, play. Well, we should we should we should probably slow the roll a little bit because it's only the first week. I'm sure it's like yeah, <laughs> the first couple of weeks. Yeah. But I mean, I can't remember last time uh, the Detroit team has done that since what? Uh, okay. since they were fair, fair point. You know, but the mighty just, Red I mean, Wings of the 2000s. I'm just saying it's like it, it's very possible that they start to fade. Um, in a few weeks but yeah, yeah it po- possibly but at worst case these two teams are probably going to be fighting neck and neck for a playoff spot at the end of the yep. year and these head-to-head meetings are going to mean a lot and Alex Dabrinkit was on the other side of this rivalry and while he only got one shot didn't get any points he was kind of mixing it up and tripping with Brady Kachuk and that was just a key indication it's just like forget about last year last year's last year I'm on the Red Wings now and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help this team win, even if it means getting a little dirty and chirping at some of my former teammates. And uh, I definitely think that kind of speaks volumes in a way uh, to Dabrinkit's current teammates uh, that he's ready to go to war with this group. And, uh, man, that uh, mid-November date in Sweden is going to have a lot on the line, even though I'm sure both teams will be taken uh-huh. in uh, the Swedish sites. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry about the sound there, if you could hear. But I, I guess I, okay. I was just opening different uh, web pages here, so it's, it's just there. Um, it's all good. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so it looks like we have okay, we have three minutes left here. Um, oh wow! I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, it's weird because I guess when you like force us to rush, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> we have plenty oh, we have of time all this here. Time left. Yeah. yeah. So but, how's your fantasy doing? Uh, well, no, no. Well, we do have one more topic, but we're gonna save some of it till next yeah. week, possibly. Uh, just I do want to mention though that because it's very possible that unless Edmonton has a win streak this week, um, we'll probably cover Edmonton, or if there's like something that's more interesting to us, we'll probably cover that. But um, but yeah, they're one three and one, um, and I'm just looking at their stats right now. It's like, like I I didn't even put it together. I guess it's like you feel like they're not doing so hot, but then you see that like oh, Drysaddle he has nine points in five games. Uh, McDavid has eight points in five, in these five games. Uh, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman have six points, um, but then you look at their goaltending. And it's like, oh, Stuart Skinner, uh, he's not good anymore, apparently. He has an 814 save percentage and a 4.29 uh, GAA. Uh, and Jack Campbell, he's actually been like, this is how bad the Oilers are. Is Jack Campbell is their best goaltender right now. And he has a 3.66 GAA and a save percentage of 902. Um, so hey, still a 902 save percentage. That's not terrible. It's not terrible, but it's not, obviously it's not great either. Yeah, um, no. and yeah, the only, like Vancouver looks like they could be pretty good. So those were the two teams that they played or that, those were the two games that they played against, um, in the first, you know, in the first week. So they, you could give them some benefit of the doubt where it's like, okay, maybe Vancouver might be better, even though. Yeah, we know the Oilers should be able to beat every one of these teams. But, yeah, they, they didn't beat uh, Vancouver the first games. They did beat Nashville 6-1. Uh, to one. 
But then they lose to Philadelphia 4-1, to and they lost to Winnipeg last night in overtime 3-2. to So I think it's more shocking that it's like they're not like high scoring anymore. It's like the, uh, Philadelphia limited them to one goal. Um, and Winnipeg limited them to two goals. I know that they have Connor Hellebuck and all that, but it's like, and then the first game, Thatcher Demko, he had the flu, apparently, and they, uh, and uh, uh, for whatever reason, McDavid and Drysaddle only managed to get one combined point in that game, um, in that game. So, um, and the only, I guess the only reason why it feels like, oh, Dreisaitl and McDavid are back to normal is because they beat up UC Saros in that one game on Tuesday um, where they had six goals. Um, so, um, yeah, something needs to figure it out, and we'll probably talk about this next week um, if it doesn't improve right now. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy that they're, um, that we, we, I felt like that we had to mention that in case, in case they suddenly start to uh, get hot. The funny thing go. is, I think, I know the tired just for yeah, the yeah. final point, they also gave up like 40 plus shots in that Nashville win. So it wasn't uh, necessarily the cleanest victory yeah. either. Right. Campbell was forced to be good. Yeah. So that was like a preview to next week for you guys. Um, mm-hmm. But Yeah, uh, a little preamble for you. Exactly. Man. But it's, um, but we'll see. All right. Um, in, in any case, uh, that's about it for us. Um, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, you can also follow us on, or, you know, subscribe to us there. Uh, you can also, uh, f- uh, follow us on Twitter, iTunes, or, uh, I guess also on iTunes, Twitter, I guess, I don't know if we have the Facebook anymore. Um, but it's just a force of habit that I always say Facebook, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elswitz. We'll talk to you in episode 385 of the Lace Month Podcast.